Good morning. Thank God for this morning. I got up and got a cup of coffee and uh, and uh, and prayed a little bit and uh, and then look at this situation for this morning in chapter three. It has to do with Nebuchadnezzar and the fiery furnace. I think his applicant for today, when we think about uh, uh, some of us are going through just difficult times, difficult times in the mind in terms of. Uh, how life is going to be, uh, uh, someone that is just uh, scorned and upset and angry and bitter. And, uh, but this story is about life and death. And uh, on chapter 3 of Daniel, I read a verse that says, King Nebuchadnezzar ordered a huge statue to be erected upon a plain outside of, of, uh, of Babylon. One commentator said he suggested Nebuchadnezzar use gold in constructing the image because the golden head of the dream statue had represented him, meaning that he he had a dream. And the dream was also a statue, and the head was of gold. So large statues like that outside of places of government were built in those days. For instance... uh, uh, the, the great sphinx in Egypt, uh, 240 feet long by 60 feet, 66 feet high, with a lion's body and human head, was constructed in 2500 B.C. before Christ. Still, casts a slightest glare uh, over the desert sand. Ramses II and other pharaohs built large statues to themselves. And so, uh, I don't think... Uh, this king Nebuchadnezzar. But Nebuchadnezzar represents someone that is lost, yet being used by the hand of God. And so I like to apply that concept today, that you can even make someone totally lost. Please God, do according to the Lord. And so you have the hand of God because when Nebuchadnezzar invaded uh, 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 Jerusalem, he took out the prime children, one of them being Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And of course, uh, these children were precious. And Nebuchadnezzar educated them in his palace. And, uh, and they decipher a dream that was very important for him. And so, uh, the king's statues or image was made of gold, perhaps to look like Nebuchadnezzar. I don't know. The statue would not be, have been solid gold, but was overlaid with gold as it was common in those days. For example, in Exodus chapter 38, 30, the altar is called a bronze altar. And uh, it was overlaid with bronze, according to Exodus 27, 1 and 2. But that gives us more information about the brazen altar, about, uh, of course, uh, the menorah, about the table of shoe bread and the altar of incense, because it was overlaid with gold. The Babylonian monarch certainly possessed enough gold to overlay the statue. Now, it's a large statue, you know, 90 feet tall, rising to 90 feet, roughly the size of a nine-story building, expanding to a width of nine feet. The statue was enormous. I don't know why a king would do that, but I told you in those days they used to do that. 
Now, if the image was in a human form, as most of us assume, those dimensions would seem quite disappropriated, even grotesque. It is possible that the nine feet refers to the thickness of the statue rather than the width, but this is not likely. So Nebuchadnezzar set up a statue in the plains of Dura. It's, it's a, you know, the story just begins with some lost king or some lost person doing something abnormal in order to prove and to squeeze you out of your peace. And so, how, how, where is Dura? Tulu Dura. It's an area, if you look at the map, it's 16 miles outside of Babylon. If you look at the map uh, uh, behind your Bible, you, you, you have the word Dura there. Many thought uh, uh, they had discovered the base of the statue in, 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 in earliest in excavations in the past 100 years. Nebuchadnezzar would, would likely have constructed this large monstrosity from, away from the city and yet allowing them to see it from the city. Enough that where any, anybody else in Babylon... Now think about Babylon. You're talking about uh, the captives of, uh, of uh, uh, over Rio Shebar. Israel is captive. Seventy years of captivity. And you think about uh, uh, the scenario. Because there are millions of people and all of them uh, could see the head of gold representing Nebuchadnezzar way in the we're in the deep in the horizon. And so, that's the story. He built a, he built a distraction. Now, every time that uh, something happens in the heart of people who do not believe in God, something is going to happen to bring them into confrontation. See, confrontation is when the godly meets the ungodly. It is normal. Wisdom meets ignorance, or beauty meets the beast. Because that is the manner in which God seems to polish, clear us, change us, renew us, so we can have uh, uh, touch partakers of holiness. And so then the king did something else that just amazed me. He dedicated this statue. In verse 2 of chapter 3, then he summoned the satraps. You're going to hear some words over here. I can't comment on them, but man, these are just a kingdom without them is no kingdom. The satraps, the prefects, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, <laughs> governors, <laughs> to dedicate the image he had set up. So he, he called all these guys 16 miles outside of... Uh, Outside of uh, of Jerusalem, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, outside of Babylon, and, uh, and and all the provincial officers assembled for the dedication of the statue King Nebuchadnezzar set up, and they stood before him. So you have six, seven hundred people in the prairie looking at this monstrosity. Ninety, you know, what a ninety feet tall is close to a foot, the size of a football field. A football field is a hundred feet, isn't that right? Yards. A third of football field, almost 75 percent of a. So it, it would be it would be on the 25 yard line, 30 yard line. 
That gives you an idea of the size of it. And it was a large statue. I mean, just, just as, 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 as clear as... So Nebuchadnezzar assembled the officials for the dedication. Now, as I study this, I begin to realize there were seven different classes of officials that are named. It is to assume that was listed in order of importance. So, the governor, the assistant governor, and then all the way down. And uh, these, govern, these governments that he's talking about were areas throughout the world that Nebuchadnezzar conquered. So, as you look into the layout of the land, you see people from different countries, different lands, all of them from different backgrounds. They worship different gods. And so you have a sort of a disconcerted vision. When you are in the plains of Dura, and you see people you never met before, they dress differently, they talk different. How you doing? Good to see you, brother. Where are you from? I'm, I'm from, from somewhere. I'm here because, you know, the king told me I had to come. So usually when there is a display as such, in an intervention of God about to happen. Something has to come out of it. Every time the ugly meets the beautiful, there's a conflict. And the conflict is going to have to be dealt with. See, God works in those areas. God works in these areas of life. Imagine if I just go here outside of Oconee County and elect a, 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 a 90 feet tall statue of gold. <laughs> <coughs> that's going to call attention to the whole army. I mean, I have to put police all around so nobody will take a piece. Every time there's a conflict between the good and the bad, God is at work to bring something to pass. You can count on that. So don't be down or discouraged because there is conflict. Know that God is working and He is going to get His plan done. That's one thing you can count on. God will get through this. So all these government officials was brought to the plain of Dura, where their loyalty was to be demonstrated to the king by bowing before the Colossus. There's a scholar that I read proposed the image was like Nebuchadnezzar, was a monument to his achievement, but worship of a deity is something a little bit beyond and above. In other words, if I build a statue in Oconee County that is 90 feet tall and laid and covered with gold, anybody who walks in has to bow down to it, then it trespasses my right to obligate people to think like I think, to do like I do, to worship like I worship, and not many people are going to be happy. And that's where, this is where the complexity comes together. Thousands of people, maybe a couple thousand now, have been to do something that they never done before. They had their gods. Why should I bow before this statue? Oh, my goodness gracious. Worshipping a deity changed the content of the struggle. See, I want you to hear this. Worshipping of a deity changes the content of the struggle. In other words, go ahead and kiss me, love me, give me, give me, give me, give me some barbecue ribs, but don't ask me to enjoy fat. I'm not going to eat fat. Grease. I like to eat the meat, but I don't like fat. In other words, you, when you cross the line, 
And the problem is most conflicts with Christians, between Christians and Christians, is when someone crosses the line. If I confess Jesus Christ as Lord and, and, and the cross of Calvary for forgiveness of my sins, there will be people against me today. In other words, the line between right and wrong is redefined these days to where now we have to bow down to the woman or the man in order to be accepted as normal. And if not, then the Mrs. Nebuchadnezzar will get to me and squeeze me to no end and take my money because she's in charge. Now, I like the proposal that uh, makes this thing more simpler, more plausible. It says, the image was in the likeness of one of the Babylon's gods, probably the principal god, which is Marduk. See, when you look at a man like Nebuchadnezzar, he was first proven to be susceptible to wisdom in the heart and mind of those three boys. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Meaning, he responded. The dream that God gave to Nebuchadnezzar, and he forgot, brought us all the way back to prophetic utterances to, to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That dream was just overwhelmingly convicting and powerful. And he experienced the hand of God when Daniel told him what, what it meant. So I like the idea here that it's not as much as Nebuchadnezzar, but the one who uh, was worshipping idolized. You know, now Mordach is a god who received children as ob- oblations. They would throw a child inside of the fire. It's the god of fire. In other words, because I have a problem and I have a business that don't go, I get one of my grandchildren and throw in the fire and kill him. That's Mordach. And so. It created a, 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 a more difficult situation because the people that were there knew this God and they weren't so fond of it. So here we go. Let's take a look at what really... Because the, the scenario here is beginning, uh, beginning to show itself a conflict, a large conflict. So Nebuchadnezzar officials stood before the image awaiting orders. The Irish charged as the host of the people, probably hundreds from all over the empire, stare at this structure, wondering what's going to happen next. I want you to see that. Because what happened next is more of the same. Now, in these places throughout the world, there's always a herald. You know, every time I see a fight on television with two men boxing, before the game, some loud mouth get up. Now from the plains of Florida, there comes uh, the greatest, the mighty, the wonder, Holy Facts the Third. Okay? You, that's a herald. The same thing in this passage. The herald simply loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, all peoples. <laughs> Nations and men in every language. As soon as they hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the sight of the lyre, the harp, the pipe, 
and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar has set up. But whosoever does not fall and worship will immediately be thrown in a blaze furnace. <laughs> Thank you very much. You see, in order to uh, bring gold into like uh, 1900 degrees Fahrenheit, you need a kiln. Because in a, a kiln is a place to where you, 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 you heat something and then you put the gold there, it becomes like water, and you shape it any form you can. So really, Nebuchadnezzar just used the, the kilns that were around in order to somehow <laughs> make people respond. And it's kind of interesting. You look at one of those things, it looks like a bottle, and on the top the smoke is going up, the top of the bottle, and in the middle there's an entrance, you know, at the, at the bottom, there's a vision of what's in there. Herod now loudly proclaims the king's command to all that assemble. The use of the Herod for public proclamation was, was the way it is in the Babylonian Empire. Verse 4 of chapter 3 indicates that many nationalities, people from nations of every language, so this reflects the way Nebuchadnezzar run his policy, appointing native rulers to govern the provinces. By the way, Gedaliah, who was selected by Babylon to rule over Judah, is the example of his practice. If you go to 2 Kings 25-22, Gedaliah took over, over uh, uh, Jehoiakim's kingdom uh, in Judah. Of course, Judah is our Judah in Israel right there. Right there north of uh, Jerusalem. Second uh, Kings 25-22. Uh, the guy who take over, took over was from another nation. Now, why am I spending time with the amount of people that were there present? Because when there's a conflict between right and wrong, good or bad, ugly or beautiful, it attracts people. In other words, you, you want to you wanna rally the troops. Do something odd. And everybody will respond. The decree then had to be made in the language of the Babylonian Empire, which is Aramaic. Now does that change things? It does change. Because you see, the people that were there, they were not lands that spoke Aramaic. They had they were forcing to speak Aramaic. Uh, in order to get along with the king. Now, what is Aramaic? In the times of Jesus, Aramaic was the language of the people. Just a good southern draw, basic, and uh, and uh, so and so. You can find the, uh, the communication going on. What he says, what he do, what this means. Uh, do what I have to do? I don't want to go in the furnace. I don't want to be killed. I have children. And the idea is, the king's command, all his officials, were to bow down and worship the golden image when the orchestra began. Now, <coughs> I want to I tell you about this a little bit. I, I want to say it again. Everybody's supposed to worship the image when the music begins. You know, we do that every morning here in the office. We play the music... And we and we uh, <laughs> and we worship the Lord. So I don't know how Nebuchadnezzar got that idea, okay? 
But that's how, that is how much God is in him. If you want to measure Nebuchadnezzar's faith, that's where you see it. He associated music with worship. <laughs> even the broken, the fallen, even the enemy can do what God wants them to do. At the sound of the music, they were to fall down and worship the image of gold. Worship here simply means uh, bow down and place homage to an idol, an object, something that God-honoring, fearing Jews could not do it ever. In the whole world, there was a group of people that represented God. The only ones that represented God were the Jews. It's an awful penalty for disobeying the king's order. Anyone who would not to worship would be hurled immediately into the brazing furnace and burned to death. In Jeremiah 29:22, it records that Nebuchadnezzar burned to death two men named Hezekiah and Ahab. Just throw the guy inside of the furnace and in a matter of seconds they, 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 they're dead. Now why he, he decided on, on this aspect of fire? Because of the kill that was close by, the temperature, and also the visual. You see the statue, you see the furnace. That's a good combination. You see the statue, you see the furnace. You see the problem, you see the penalty. That's why Christians are that are in struggle and turmoils. We always see the challenge and we see evil. And so our mind is taken over with this. See, this is the scenario that you see before this statue that really took place. Uh, uh, it takes place in every church to where they're trying to speak the truth. When the image the false image of life, the resistance toward the cross, the rejection of godliness and holiness, the understanding of the cross of Calvary, the respect and the honor to is taken out. You have a struggle. There's always a Nebuchadnezzar to diminish the work of God. So the word worship here in the sound of these instruments was very important. When the music began, the sea of government officials fell down and worshipped the image of gold as they had been commanded. However, out of the 600 to 1,000, 1,500, 2,000, three people way down there standing up. I want you to see a thousand people bowing down like in a Muslim position and three of them standing up. And the question is this, would you look at them for some reason? Well, uh, 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 don't worry about it. They have, there's no chairs there, uh, and they have a problem with their knees. They can't bow down. I'm sorry. Uh, they can sit down, but they can't bow down. No, no. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were standing up to be seen. You see, when, when the ugly meets the beautiful, you've got to stand When the ugly begins to meet the horrible, you got to stand. When the conflict begins, you have to stand. When you are struggling with life and struggling with death and struggling with a job, struggling with what do you think of yourself? 
Because when you, what you think of yourself is not good, you have to learn to stand. In other words, this is my nose, this is my face, you don't like it, it's your problem, I like it. I'm not going to say to you that I, I am proud of myself. I'm just happy who I am, I'm comfortable with my skin, I love the Lord Jesus, I speak in tongues, and if that bothers you, so be it. In other words, a lot of people are unsatisfied with life. They don't like who they are. They don't like the world as it is. And so the accusers and astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. So in the vast, a crowd of, of the king evidently could not see the three men who were left standing. Uh, uh, these informers are identified as astrologers. Daniel and his three friends had received leadership positions in the group, and some of the native Babylonians' astrologers resented at the first opportunity they attempt to get rid of them and simply say, they did not bow down, king. There are three Jewish back there that will not bow down. There are three people here. There's a hundred there. There's two hundred there. There's five hundred there. There's a thousand there that will not bow down. When you look at one, we will not bow down. You've got to... You've got to understand who you are. Because in these days of definition, if you don't know who you are, you might as well sit down and turn to Pope. You've got to. You've got to. You can't just let it go. Now, where are the charges? All king, live forever. You have issued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn and all the instruments... And that soever does not fall down in worship will be thrown in the blazing furnace. But there are some Jews here who have sat over the affairs of the prophets of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, king. They neither serve you gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. You know, that's a pleaser of men. Every time I hear a pleaser of men, I'd like to throw up. You have no spine. You have no character. You have no personality. You have no bone to stand. You're wimpy. You simply know that this is wrong. Get up and make your statement. Sit down and lose everything you have. Then to agree in order so you can like me. You know, I started my ministry with a commentary that God gave me, or a statement that God gave me in the beginning 1970s. And it was just, I'm not a popsicle for you to lick me. I kept on saying that. Everywhere I went, I just said saying that. I said to the congregation, I'm not here to please. I'm not a pastor so you can lick. I came to bless you and pray for you. And man, I tell you, the people responded powerfully. I mean, I never had an altar, empty altar with two or three. They just pour in. And it was because I would not compromise. So the astrologers began stating the charges. And the, and the decree and the death penalty. You know, sometimes anti-Semitism is shown as satanic. And this is one of the examples. Satan knew that through this divinely chosen people would come the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of mankind, the people of Israel. Look at uh, Romans 9. <clears throat> There's the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, Romans 9, 4, and 5. There's the uh, worship and promises. 
There's our patriarchs. Uh, and from them is traced human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. In other words, even today, if you don't recognize Israel as the land of God, uh, the one that God instituted and, and, and protects, and will be the nation who will rule the world during the millennium with Jesus Christ on the throne in Jerusalem, uh, you've got to remember that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are now named to be guilty parties. They pay no attention to the king. They did not serve the king's God. They refused to worship the golden image. The penalty was as such. I don't know what I have to share with you, but I hope that you uh, will join me tomorrow. Can I finish this, John? Well, yeah, I don't think I can finish today. Tomorrow, I'll begin with treating the furnace. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Bye-bye. Clamando no 